Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money or Wealth. Do you believe in second chances? I do believe. I yes. do believe. I do. I do. I Me do. too. Uh, it is hour two. Hopefully so we, we got can, a second chance to redeem a, ourselves. We got a second chance here, Alan. <laughs> if you listen to the first hour, I promise the second hour will be much better. Uh, hey, um, IRAs. $7.4 trillion are invested in IRAs. 7.4. That's about 30% of retirement assets in the United States. $24 trillion total. In retirement accounts, so your 401ks and 403bs, TSPs, and everything else, 7.4 trillion. I would say most of those assets, Alan, are in uh, baby boomer accounts. Yeah, probably the majority. But uh, you know, we we saw we saw a stat recently that all generations are getting involved with the IRA and the Roth IRA. Yeah, I would say that most. Yeah, I mean, yeah, younger generations they have an IRA, but it's probably a couple of bucks. Sure, because I they mean, if you're talking saving raw dollars, yes. yeah, I guess that's what you're talking. Yeah. So yeah, but the majority is of the dollars of the 7.4 trillion is yeah. probably in baby boomer accounts. Well, yeah, because you figure the generation that before the baby boomers, IRAs weren't that. Con- I mean, they they weren't around for that long. It was really the baby boomer generation that really got to take advantage of them. And now the the uh, millennials and what's the other generation Y, y? X Y and X yep. yeah I'm not sure where one starts and one stops but I think generation Y or the millennials stop at age 35 okay and then generation X goes in until whenever the baby boomers yeah. start all right so you're an Xer I am an you're Xer an X. yeah yes I am and I'm a baby boomer you are a baby boomer yes. So let's do this. Let's kind of get into the, some of the basics. Okay, so um, we got we got some uh, IRA mistakes we really want you to avoid here. And so when you look at just the basics of IRAs, individual retirement accounts, all right, uh, let's start with contribution amounts. 5500 bucks. all right? So you can contribute up to $5,500. If you're over 50, you get $1,000 catch-up, $6,500. Um, now, the deductibility of these plans, you can still take the deduction, uh, but it depends on your income. Sure. And so and it also depends whether you're in a retirement account or not. Or if your spouse, yeah, let's or say your if you, spouse. yeah, or your spouse is in a retirement right. account. So yeah. there's some different there's rules. Actually, three different levels. And if you are um, not in a retirement account, then you can make that deduction. Yeah, or well, or your spouse. Your spouse can't be in one too. Correct. Yeah, then you can take the deduction as long as you have earned income and as long as you're younger than seventy and a half. So there's a couple of qualifications. There. Yes. You now, if your spouse is in a retirement account, then the limitations, I think it's about $132,000 if you're single, $194,000 if you are married. That's correct. It's the same as the Roth, Roth. contribution. Uh-huh. And then if you do have a 401k plan or a qualified plan through your employer, uh, then I believe it's significantly lower. I don't have those. Yeah, it's it's around 90000 Yeah, 94000 Give or take, somewhere say. in there. Yeah. So, I mean, but the... the the lower limitations, we would probably say, all right, well, here, if you have a 401k and you're contributing to the 401k, and let's say your taxable income or your your AGI is 94000 your taxable income is probably closer to 70000 right? Or maybe 80000 sure, depending sure. on what your deductions are. Okay, well, now you're, you're, you're on the cusp of that 15% tax bracket. Taking another deduction at that lower level might not make a lot of sense, so maybe you go Roth. 
Yeah, in other words, when you do, you can pick from an IRA or a Roth, and if you can deduct the IRA, that still may not be the best idea. If you're in a low tax bracket, you may not get that much benefit. You might as well do a Roth contribution, so you forego the tax benefit today, but all future income and growth and principles tax-free later. So here's another caveat, is that you need earned income, and earned income is confusing to some individuals. It is, yeah. And so let's say if you have a real estate portfolio, you got Social Security, a pension, interest, dividends, you got a whole bunch of income. But unfortunately, none of that is called earned income in the eyes of the beholder, the yeah, IRS. Yeah, earned income has to be salary or um, positive profits from your self-employment business. So basically, it's something that it's income that you either pay Social Security taxes or have that withheld from your pay, or you pay self-employment taxes from either your sole proprietorship or maybe your LLC. And some disability um, will allow you uh, to still make Roth or deductible IRA contributions. Yeah, and here's another one. Not why, alimony. Why they know. Yeah, I was going to say alimony. Yeah, if you if you're getting alimony, that's you wouldn't think that's earned income, but that does count for making a Roth contribution. Um, so with individual retirement accounts, so those are the contributions. Um, a lot of you also have an IRA because you might have rolled um, or transferred or rolled over your 401k plan or whatever plan that you had through your employer into an individual retirement account. So there's a couple of different ways that you can get money into an IRA. You can make straight contributions, the 5,500 or 65, or you might've made contributions to a retirement account uh, through your employer. And then once you left that firm, you decided to consolidate and moved the money from the 401k into your own individual retirement account. Yeah, and you're allowed to do that. It's called a rollover and it's tax-free because you went from one tax-deferred vehicle to another one. So you don't pay taxes on that currently. However, it's now in the IRA. When you do withdraw the money out of the IRA, it's fully taxable. And and I, I would say a lot of people still don't know that. It's like, you know, your 401k money where you got a tax deduction, your IRA, if you did get a tax deduction, you pull those dollars out and it's taxable. You got to pay tax when you pull it out. Yeah. At ordinary income rates, it's, it's tax very similar to your paycheck. Um, but you don't pay the FICA tax. True. Out. Yeah. And so if you think about it, if you got some pension income, and then you got Social Security and maybe you have some interest income. And, and so then you pull money out of your IRA, and those are all taxed at ordinary income the rates. The only caveat is not all of your Social Security income is taxed. In worst case, 85% of what you receive for Social Security is subject to income tax. It's not the tax that you pay, but it's the amount of Social Security that you actually have to pay tax on. So there is some tax-free benefit on Social Security. Some of you actually don't pay any taxes on, on Social Security, and it's when your income is low. Um, a couple of things, too. If you decide to roll over your 401k or your retirement plan through your employer into an IRA, um, always select direct rollover. Um, instead of the r rollover rule. So if you say, I mean, and it's so confusing too, it is, right? It is, because it sounds like the same thing. It, 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 right, rollover, rollover. But one says direct rollover, the other one just says rollover. So what's the difference? Well, a rollover is that they're automatically, if it comes from a retirement account, a 401k plan um, through your employer, uh, you are going to, they're, they're going to withhold 20% in taxes. Yeah. All right. So the rollover so, is basically so the, it's a 60 day rollover rule. So, so the rollover, it's like the, the checks made out to you. Yeah. So right? it's all right. Alan Clopine, here you go. Here's your $100,000. You get your check. It's only 80 grand. Yeah. Because they had to withhold federal taxes for 20%. 20%. Yeah. Right. So then all of a sudden you get the 80,000 bucks. You're like, well, wait a minute. I'm putting this into my IRA. I don't want the money. Yeah. And the government already has 20,000 bucks. It's like, well, how do I put the hundred in? Unless you have other money, you can't do it. Yeah, so you put the eighty thousand in, and then you're like, okay, well now I got sixty days to find twenty thousand dollars, <laughs> right? And if you don't have it, 
right? You're like, okay, well, now you got to refinance your house, take a home yeah. equity line. You got to figure out how to get that $20,000 into that account within 60 days, or else it's going to be a full distribution. If you're under 59 and a half, it's a 10% penalty. Yeah, on top of the tax. And you can't call up the IRS and say, hey, you know what? Just kidding. Can you send me that 20000 back? I didn't really mean to withhold it. Yeah, right, right, right. They, it's they like, well, that. no, I, I just screwed up on the paperwork. Let's put it. And the 401k <laughs> provider is like, no, it's already distributed out. All right. So that's a rollover from your 401k. What about a direct rollover? What's that? Yeah, then the direct rollover is just basically the, the check will probably, in most cases, still be made out to you. Okay. Um, but. What it is, it's like you're the benefit, you're the beneficial owner of that check. So let's say you you open up an account at Fidelity, Merrill Lynch, TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab. I don't care where you where you have it. It'll be made out to the custodian, Vanguard, for the benefit of Alan Clopine. Right. right. So then you have possession of the check, but it's really not in your possession because it's made out to the custodian of your IRA. Right. So if you don't have an IRA. This is what you have to do. You have to establish an IRA first. Then you do the direct rollover into the IRA because the check needs to be made out to the custodian. So if you don't have an IRA already established and you're trying to do a direct rollover, you're going to find yourself in a little bit of problems. So the rules get a little bit complex, and we're not saying to roll the money over. You want to make sure that you make the right decision with those dollars. Does it, does it make sense to keep it in the plan? Does it make sense to roll it over? Whatever the case may be. We're talking IRAs, so we're assuming that you did roll the money over into an individual retirement account. Well, Joe, and, and to me, these rules that we're talking about, they, they're they so important because the truth is taxes don't stop when your paycheck does. In fact, when you tap your retirement nest egg, it comes with all sorts of new rules and opportunities. So think about this. Instead of contributing to tax-deferred plans that reduce your taxes, you'll start tapping those savings for income and paying taxes at your regular rate. So as you near retirement, tax planning becomes more important than ever. So, But you must use a forward-thinking tax strategy uh, to save taxes because you have more control over paying taxes in retirement, more than you think, actually more so than any other time in your life. All right, we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll be back in just a second. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al. Thanks for tuning in. Go to iTunes. Check out our podcast. Um, a lot of you are probably listening to the podcast. Thank you very much. If you like the program, um, write a little note. Say, hey, like it. If you don't like it, write a little note. Hey, I don't like it. Um, something has to do with um, how iTunes, I guess, if there's some reviews. Oh, that the, they assume it's better? We got a better spot or something? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not on do iTunes. We, do we know how many people have subscribed to our podcast? No idea. Okay, our marketing department probably does. Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, we're, we're talking IRAs, uh, mistakes that people are making, getting down to the basics. We just yeah. spent a little bit of time talking about IRA rules. Um, let's get into Roths now. Um, same contribution limits when it comes to the Roth IRAs, uh, $5,500. So if you want to contribute to a Roth IRA, if you're under 50 the maximum amount is $5,500. If you're over 50 it's 65 You get a $1,000 catch-up. Uh, the difference here is you, there's no tax deduction, right? It's an after-tax contribution. It sits in the Roth IRA, and then it grows 100% tax-free for the rest of your life, which is pretty ideal. Yeah, that's a pretty big difference. And and you do need earned income to do a Roth contribution, same as a, as a regular IRA contribution. But the big distinction here is with a regular IRA contribution, sometimes you get a tax deduction. Sometimes you don't if your income's too high. But a Roth IRA, you never get a tax deduction when you put the money in. But it always grows 100% tax-free when you pull it out. 
And that's not necessarily a bad thing when it when you don't get the deduction because on the flip side you get all this tax free growth. Yeah, that's true. Because like let's say you put fifty five hundred dollars into your Roth IRA at age thirty, you don't touch it for thirty forty years, and so that account, who knows what that could be twenty thousand, forty thousand, sixty thousand, I don't know. But all that money, that forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, that's all tax free when you pull it out. Now, if you did the deductible IRA, $5,500, and if you got a tax deduction, maybe you saved a couple thousand bucks in taxes, but when you pull that forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 out, you'll pay taxes on that entire amount. So if you're interested in paying less taxes, this is actually a great way to do that. Let your money grow in a Roth instead of a regular IRA, so then when you pull it out, you're not paying this, this higher taxes. Right, so given your example is that you put $5,000 in, over a period of time, it's worth 50000 bucks. Mm-hmm. And so on a $5,000 contribution, you're in the 25% tax bracket, you save Couple, a couple of bucks. Yeah. Right. State, federal, fifteen hundred dollars. If if I did my math right. Yeah, it's like one thousand three hundred fifty. Well, something. plus state, plus another ten, <laughs> so fifteen hundred bucks. All right, I'll go with that. Okay. So you save fifteen hundred bucks in tax. Yeah. Pretty good. But then that money grows to fifty. You pull the fifty out. What are you paying tax? Let's say what thirty percent on fifty. Yeah, you're paying twenty grand or more, more, right? <laughs> so I got fifteen hundred to pay twenty. Yeah, that's a, actually a fairly good trade-off, particularly if you're younger in a lower tax bracket. But I would say this, even if you're older in a higher bracket, to have some of your money in the tax-free pool is not a bad idea when it comes to retirement. Right. So I forego the $1,250 tax deduction to get $50,000 to be tax-free. That's yeah. what we're talking about. I, I like that trade, Versus actually. you hear a lot of other individuals are saying, well, no, take the deduction. Right, and then let the money grow tax deferred because who knows what's going to happen in 30 years from now. Sure. Okay, well, ERISA established the retirement accounts in 1974. It was 40 years ago. Okay, so you got the tax deduction, it grows tax deferred, you pull it out, and you pay ordinary income tax. They've made some changes to the IRA laws, but nothing that drastic True. where it was like, okay, well, now. Um, like w- what I hear people say is that, well, no, they're going to change the law where the Roths will be taxed in 30 years. Right. I, I think there's no way that that will ever happen. That's yeah. just my opinion. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to say this. that's our opinion. I mean, and the reason that we would say that is, first of all, you look back to the history of retirement accounts. Anytime there's been a change in the law, it changes things moving forward, but it doesn't change. All the old stuff is grandfathered in. And so if you're just going with pure logic, it's it's very possible that they may stop the ability to add to Roth IRAs in the future. But in terms of making them taxable, it's, it seems to me very, very unlikely. But uh, that's our opinion. Again, with Roth IRA contributions, you need to have earned income. Um, so again, earned income is is that you need a paycheck, a W-2 employee, or you got to be self-employed, uh, pay Social Security tax or self-employment tax. Right. But did you know that you could use your spouse's earned income if you're not working and do a Roth contribution or an IRA contribution? And the, the amounts are the same for you if you're not working. It's $5,500, or if you're 50 and older, it's $6,500. You must be married, of course, and you have to file jointly on your tax return, and your and your spouse has to have enough earned income for you to be able to contribute. Um, but here, you get to pick. Should you do a traditional IRA contribution or a Roth IRA? You can pick either. And, and the decision point really has a lot to do with your own situation. Joe and I might favor, in many cases, a Roth contribution, but... 
Yeah, sometimes you're in a high bracket. You might want to do a regular IRA contribution just to take advantage of that tax deduction. There's no age limitations to do Roth IRA contributions. Where 70 and a half, once you reach that age, you can no longer make an IRA contribution. You can still roll your money from a 401k or whatever plan to an IRA after 70 and a half. Uh, but you can no longer do a direct contribution. The Roth IRA, however, no limitation whatsoever. A couple of other basics when it comes to the Roth is that there is no required minimum distribution. There is no RMD. Uh, so when you have a an account, in a retirement account, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, is that, yeah, there's significant uh, consequences if you do not take money out of your standard retirement account. With the Roth, there is no RMD. So there's some different rules when it comes to Roths. It will grow tax-free for your life. It can grow tax-free for your spouse's life and then for the kid's life. And the spousal contribution is key because there's so many mistakes. It's like one spouse retired early. Maybe one spouse never worked. Right, And then the, the other spouse, the working spouse, there was plenty of excess cash flow to save, but they never funded the spousal IRA or the Roth IRA. Yeah, exactly. And, and so you might have 30 years where you could have put $5,000 or more into your Roth IRA and let that grow over a 30-year period and end up with several hundred thousand dollars in your Roth account that's 100% tax-free. Well, the contribution limits haven't always been 5500 True, but I'm going forward now. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, what's happened's already happened. I'm talking about. So it started at about fifteen hundred. Yeah, it did. I, I was going to say two thousand, but you may be. It may have been fifteen hundred, and that was back in nineties. Uh, yeah, no, it was eighties. It, it was actually late seventies, I believe, when that started. Well, seventy four is ERISA. Yeah. So the first IRAs probably came out in seventy five, seventy six. Yeah, it was sometime in those late seventies, and it wasn't very much. And then it went up to two thousand in the nineties. And then it went to 2500 and 3000 3500 Yeah, now we're to 5500 And it, it's been 5500 for the past couple of years. Yeah, well, yeah. I, it was 5000 I mean, in the last five years ago, I think. Yeah, it's in a couple of years. <laughs> so um, anyway, you got to file a joint return. Yeah. You can't file separately if you want to do the spousal. Um, and then, so let's see. Another thing. Um, what else do we want to talk about with some basics there? Anything? I think that'll do it on the base. Well, I guess maybe we mentioned. So Roth IRA, you can contribute as long as you have earned income any age. Regular IRA, you can only contribute up to age 70 and a half. And then the uh, income limitations, again, if you make more than $132,000 as a single taxpayer and $194,000 as a joint filer, uh, then you can no longer uh, do an IRA contribution. A Roth, a Roth, Roth contribution, Roth contribution. unless you do a backdoor. Yeah, and we don't have enough time to go through that. So, I mean, you got to start taking control of this stuff. I know the rules and regulations and everything else, it kind of sounds convoluted, and people make a lot of different mistakes where they could have a healthier retirement if they would have just taken control. Do you know exactly how much you can afford to spend every month right now? If you're going to retire tomorrow, do you know that? Or how long your money's really going to last? Do you have a strategy to withdraw the money from your retirement accounts to avoid paying thousands in taxes, penalties, and fees? These are just some of the staples of planning for your retirement. And without them, well, you're just guessing. And you could be headed for some real trouble. I can't guarantee many things in my work, but I can guarantee you this. There's one thing you'll regret when you take control of your retirement. You'll regret why you didn't do it any sooner. Got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al Clopine. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, 
Talking about retirement accounts, IRAs, individual retirement accounts, $7.4 trillion sitting in retirement accounts. Uh, last count, $24 trillion uh, sitting in um, all retirement accounts. And there's big penalties, Al, if you don't know what the heck you're doing here. Well, there are, Joe. And, and have, have you ever seen this? Um, uh, someone comes to you and says, you know what, I'm 55 years of age. I got a bunch of money in an IRA, and I want to retire early. The problem is I still have a mortgage, and so I want to pay that mortgage off so that I can retire early and have lower expenses. And so let's just say the mortgage is $50,000, for example. So you go to your IRA, you pull out $50,000 from your IRA, and you think, okay, paid off the mortgage, I'm in good shape. Where does this person live? North Dakota? <laughs> well, it could be anywhere. The $50,000 mortgage left. Oh, I'm not, sorry. Not, er, not, yeah. <laughs> it's not a new home. <laughs> Is that your neighbor? (laughs) That's a trailer. (laughs) Anyway, um, here's my point. My point is you got to pay taxes on that thing. And and if you're working, you know, chances are you're in the 25 or 28% bracket federal. Let's say you're in the 28% bracket and you happen to live in the state of California. So your taxes are probably, I don't know, 17, 18,000 bucks. And your penalties, because you're not yet 59 and a half, well, that's another six grand. So you add those two together, and you're almost $24,000 in taxes to, to cover, take the 50 out. To take the 50. And guess what? And you don't have it. They don't have it because they had to pull the 50 out to get out of the to retirement pay the account. So next year, your accountant says you owe almost 25, you got 25,000. So you go, well, I guess I could pull some another 25,000 out of the IRA to pay that. And then the next year, the, the accountant says, well, you owe another 12,000. And you pull that out of your IRA. Next year, you owe another 6000 And this thing just keeps going on and on. Next thing you know, you pulled out like $100,000 to pay off this mortgage. Well, right? more than that, probably. Probably. Because you did the $24,000, right? <laughs> then you have to pay tax on that the following year. Yeah. Right? And, so that's 12 on 24. And you got on six. All right. Yeah. yeah. It's not looking good. Plus yeah. the 50 that you already pulled out. Yeah. Then you have to pull the, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a domino effect. It is. It is. And, and so I guess here's the point is if you're not yet 59 and a half and some people, it's not, it's not paying off the mortgage. Because, all right, let, let's go back here. So you got the, the say, hey, all right, 50,000 bucks, got to pull it out. All right. So you pull the money out. Fifty grand next year. You pay twenty four thousand dollars in tax. You yeah. have to go back to the IRA. So you pull out twenty four thousand dollars in tax, but you 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 have to pull out almost forty thousand dollars. Yeah, to pay the tax on that. To pay the tax on that. Right. Yeah. So now you pull <laughs> and then out. you got to pay the tax on the tax. That's right. And then you you basically you get up to that hundred thousand dollars to pay off the mortgage, and then it's like, well, wait a minute, I I was just trying to pull out fifty, and this principle happens all the time. So it happens when people they 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 want to buy a new car, or they want to go on vacation, or they want to do something nice for their kids, right? Or they want to they want to pay for their kids' college education. There's there's a, an exception for first ten thousand dollars for college education, but maybe it's out of state college. They pull out fifty grand for that, and then they're paying a lot more because they're working. They're already in a high tax bracket. By the way, the federal penalty is ten percent. State of California penalty is two and a half percent. That's plus your tax rate. So here's what we see: we see the tax rate to be about fifty percent for most people that try to do this before age fifty nine and a half because of the penalties, and that's not a good idea. And these are retirement accounts. They're for your retirement. They shouldn't really be used for other things. So when you look at the 59 and a half, so a couple of things, a couple of caveats for to avoid that 10% penalty. If the money's in your 401k plan and you're 55 years old, you can pull the money out of your 401k plan. There is no 10% penalty. If you have a 457 plan, some of you have these deferred comp plans, there is no penalty at any age. 
if you pulled the money out of a 457. Uh, there's also something that's called a 72T tax election or a separate equal periodic payment where you can take money out of your IRA and you can avoid that 10% penalty as long as you take the same amount of money out of the account over five years or until you turn 59 and a half, whichever is longer. So there's ways around the penalty, um, but our suggestion is probably look anywhere else but your retirement account to pull you know, a large sum out you know, to, to pay off the mortgage or to have a large expense when you're under 59 and a half. Yeah, it's, um, it's expensive. Money. Because if you want to do, let's say, a separate equal periodic payment, an SCPP or 72T tax election, yeah. and you're 55 and you got the money in an IRA, it's like, okay, well, here, I need 50 grand. You need, a, first of all, a ton of money in the retirement account to get the $50,000 because you're going to have to pull out basically 250000 over that five-year period, $50,000 a year. Right. right until you turn fifty nine and a half, and then that can shut off the seventy two T. So you have to take the same money out of the account each and every year until you turn fifty nine and a half, or five years, whichever's longer. Right, and then there's the issue of you hit seventy and a half, and you have to take a required minimum distribution, whether you want to or not. And if you forget to do that, the penalty there is fifty percent, five zero. So let's say you got a million bucks in an IRA, for example, you're seventy and a half. You got to take your required distribution. Everyone asks us, "How much do you have to take out?" Well, the number is about thirty-seven thousand. So we'll just round it to forty thousand for easy math. Somewhere around four percent is what you have to take out, and you have to pay tax on that. Now, if you forget to do it, then you have to pay a fifty percent penalty, which is about twenty thousand dollars. And by the way, you still have to pay the tax. You have to do the required distribution and pay the tax on that as well. Now, I will say, in some cases, people don't know that rule; they forget, and the IRS will sometimes forgive that penalty if you write a nice letter. You might want to talk to your accountant about that. But uh, boy, Joe, this is one of those things. As you get older, uh, sometimes you get more forgetful. And and let's say you're in your eighties and nineties, and you've just forgot to take your RMD. Well, there's you have to pay this penalty. Right. And so what some custodians have um, now for a safeguard is that there's a, another person of contact. So let's say you have an elderly parent um, or when you get older, right? Oh, did you take the requirement? Did you take the distribution out? They might call um, someone that you put on the list there to say, hey, we haven't received this yet. Uh, to to kind of help out with that, but I wouldn't count on that as a safeguard. Right. You want to make sure, especially if you have elderly parents that do have retirement accounts, it's a steep, steep penalty in each year that they don't pull it out. It's fifty percent each year that they don't pull it out. Correct. Right. You could you could file a form and try to ask for forgiveness, right? But Al, you've been a CPA for how many years? Uh, over thirty years. So the the, the IRS is kind at uh, some point, but other times they're not. Well, I would say this: if if it's a first offense, and maybe it's a year, maybe it's two at the most, you might get some leniency if you write the letter, you know, properly. But let's say you've been taking required distributions, and all of a sudden you have a year where you forget. It's like, well, you should have already known that, right? And they're very, they're not very likely to waive that penalty at that point. So you have this free window from 59.5 to 70.5 where you can do anything that you want with it um, with the money that you have in your retirement account. But once you reach that 70.5 age, that's when you have to take the required distribution. Uh, Like Al said, it starts at about 4%. And each year as you age, more and more money comes out. This is meant for retirement. Uh, So the distribution or the required minimum distributions are basically set up for the entire retirement account 
to be distributed out back to you so they can get their taxes. Yeah, and that's the whole point is the IRS doesn't want to have you keep your money in the, the IRA forever. Yeah, so because, it's def- yeah, because you never pay tax on it. So they want you to pull it out starting at age 70 and a half, at least as a minimum, and then you have to pay taxes on those dollars. And and we get this question too, Do I can I pull out more? Yes, that's just the minimum. That's the minimum. That, that's right. As long as you're over 59 and a half, you can pull out as much as you want. You will pay tax on it, uh, but you're not penalized. And, you're, and then when you hit 70 and a half, you have to take it out to a certain level, at least a minimum amount. And Joe, it's... Uh, Boy, some of these IRA mistakes, it, it's uh, a lot of people make these mistakes, which is why we talk about it, and they don't really get the message about tax planning until they do make a mistake that costs them thousands of dollars that otherwise could, could have been avoided. Then they get it, but uh, you know what? The secret is to make sure you don't have to learn the lesson the hard way because you can save more in taxes than you think, but you must use a forward-looking tax-efficient strategy. All right, we got to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about beneficiary blunders uh, when it comes to your overall retirement accounts. You don't want to miss that, so stick around. Show us called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm with Big Al. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, talking about IRAs, some mistakes that you're making with the overall retirement accounts. Um, talked about kind of the basics how much money that you can contribute, AGI limitations, penalties, RMDs. Um, but here's one that I think a lot of people forget they don't necessarily concentrate on is the beneficiary designation. Yeah, because it's like you can always get to it tomorrow. I don't right? want to think about dying. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'll, I'll do this later Right. when I figure out which kid I really like. Exactly, <laughs> right? And so you have uh, big mistakes. First of all, with an IRA, right, um, you want to make sure that you name a beneficiary. A lot of times we see that you don't even have one name, so then it goes to the estate. Well, you don't necessarily want that to happen because with an IRA, it's very efficient at death because it has a designated beneficiary form. So you can name your spouse, a friend, a girlfriend, boyfriend, niece, nephew, neighbor. It doesn't matter. Just put the names, you know, and it will directly go to them. Yeah, and you can do multiple names. Yes, you can have 100 beneficiaries, I would suppose. Right. Right? And so you just want to make sure that you have a named beneficiary. If it goes to the state, well, then it's going to blow up on it, right? Then it has to go through probate, right? And it's like, okay, well, where does the money go? No one knows. Then it has to follow the will. And it's, it's you're going to avoid the whole stretch IRA, which means that you can defer or the non-spouse beneficiaries can defer the taxes. So make sure that you have a named beneficiary. That's the first thing. Um, get a designated beneficiary form from the custodian. So wherever your money is held, ask for that designated beneficiary form. That could be a little bit more, instead of just the application, you might just have room for, hey, or here's my primary and maybe a couple of contingents. But on the designated form, you can then get a little bit more specific if you want. Um, and say, here, this is, I want this to go to 5% go to this niece, 10% go to that. Spend some time there, right? As long as it's done, then it's done. Yeah, in a lot of cases, Joe, you can do this online. You can look at your account online and they'll have beneficiary forms. They'll either have the form online that you can print, fill out, and mail back. And in some cases, you can actually do it right online. Right. Um, so no beneficiary form on file is probably the biggest mistake that we see. Um how about contingent beneficiaries? Yeah, that's important. I mean, so you probably will, if you're married, you probably name your spouse as the primary beneficiary. But what if your spouse has already passed away and you don't have a contingent? Well, you have the same problem. It's going to go through your estate, 
right? So you want to make sure you have contingent beneficiaries in case the original beneficiary or beneficiaries are not around to receive that that uh, that inheritance, right? So in other words, it, it's logical to have your spouse as the primary and then maybe your three kids as the contingent. That would be kind of a normal thing to do. Right. And then you could go a third, a third, a third to the three children. Mm-hmm. However you want to. Well, yeah, however that, that, that you see fit given what you're trying to accomplish there. Yeah, how about this one, Joe, is, is an outdated beneficiary form. Like uh, you were married, divorced, got married again, and never bothered to check your beneficiary form. Right, I mean, especially on IRAs. Now on 401ks, it's a little bit different when it comes to ERISA because there's some spousal consent. True. But on IRAs and, or 403Bs, for instance, you know, we see nightmare stories where you have ex-spouses or people that you don't necessarily want to be on that form. Yeah. Or maybe you had someone on the form, right, um, an aunt or an uncle, your parents. Right. And then right, you never changed it. You got married and then you die. Right, it goes to the the name beneficiary. It, it the beneficiary form trumps all. Yeah, and that's, it's going to trump your will. It's going to tr- uh, trump your trust. Yes, it's whatever napkin that you wrote, whoever you want. Your right. <laughs> yeah, Joe, because the, the and I think a lot of people assume they spend a lot of time and energy setting up their living trust, which we we generally recommend in many cases. But uh, but if your beneficiary form says something different, your beneficiary form is going to be where that IRA, those IRA dollars go to. And yes, we believe it or not, it seems kind of silly, but we see this all the time. Old ex-spouses get the money, not the current spouse or not the kids or whatever, whatever who you would have intended it to go to. So it's something, and, and we encourage our clients, and I'm going to encourage you guys as well, be looking at your beneficiary statements on all of your IRAs and 401ks, 43Bs, every every few years. Make sure they're up to date. Right. And if you have blended families, Brady Bunch type families, sure. it's like, okay, well, here, where do I want the money to go? All right. So I got remarried. All right. So I have kids. She's got kids. So what? What? how do we do this now? Right. Right. It's like, okay, well, here's what would happen if that... All right, so now let's say you pass away, and then it goes to your new spouse. Then the money goes to her, and then from there, right, she dies, it goes to her kids. Right. And it might not go to your kids. Is that what you want? Yeah, is that kind of the plan of what you're trying to do here? No, it's not the plan. Right. So So, so it takes a little energy to set this up properly. and, And one of the largest assets that we're seeing are retirement accounts. Correct. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, here, make sure that you have a plan in place. Make sure that you figure this stuff out because it can get somewhat complicated. And an IRA plan is something completely different than a brokerage account, right? Where you could split a brokerage account up or your home or real estate because IRA accounts still need to have a required distribution at death. Right. right? So the, the, the non-spouse beneficiary, the kids and everything else, they'll have to take required distributions. So it's like, okay, well, here, maybe I name a trust as the beneficiary of the retirement account, right? Because then the trust will take care of everything. The trustee will take care of everything. Be careful there, man, because Alan, I've seen awful mistakes because here's the deal when it comes to retirement accounts. If, you, if you're married, all right? If you pass, it will go to your spouse if she's the primary. She could put your account into her account if you're a male. Or uh, or it, I'm just talking with me. If I was married, I could take her account and put it into mine. Or she could take my account and put it into hers. You can co-mingle accounts, 
when you're married with spouses. Yeah, when when one passes. When one passes, yes. when one passes, right? Then when it goes to a non-spouse, right? The children, the grandchildren, or the niece, nephew, or maybe boyfriend, girlfriend, right? Whoever that you name the beneficiary, that's not your spouse. They then have to keep that in your name. Joseph Anderson, deceased on whatever date that I died, for the benefit of whoever. They will have to take a required distribution based on their life. So if they're five years old, 20 years old, 50 years old, whatever, they have to take a distribution. They have to recycle that money. So just the fact that at your death, you have an account that's embedded with tax that will have to take distributions, just that alone is completely different than your property that when you pass away, it's going to have a full step up in basis. The kids can sell it and not pay any tax and do whatever that they want with it and, and split it up five ways. The retirement account gets a little bit complicated when you're looking at what you should do. Should I name the trust? How should I name the trust? The trust might, in most cases, blow up your retirement account. Yeah, there there is a such thing as an IRA trust, trust, and that's not a bad idea. But you have to set it up as a special way because that way you can have a little bit more control over your beneficiaries and when they'll actually receive the money. And also, with an IRA trust, Joe, if something happens to the beneficiary in terms of bankruptcy or lawsuit, that's a separate property asset, so it's not included in that. So there are some advantages there, but you wouldn't just name your living trust because that would generally blow up this this stretch IRA ability. Right, because you have to look at, you have to have named beneficiaries. If you have 5%, 10%, let's say going to a, a, my alma mater or yeah. Or the church, sure. it blows it up. Then all of it has to be distributed without in five years. Let's say I did it right and I named all five children, but one child's fifty, the other child's forty-seven, the other child's thirty, and then oops, I had a mistake along the way, and I have a, I, I, I maybe I adopted a five-year-old, or I had the grandchildren on there, sure, right. So the grandchildren, the five-year-old, right. They have to take a distribution based on the oldest beneficiary. Yeah, when it's in the trust. So that yeah. means it's, right, and then you have to look at, is it a dis- uh, conduit trust? Is it a discretionary trust? Because if you keep it in the trust, then it's taxed at trust rates. Those trust rates go to 39.6 at about $12,000 of income. Yes, if you do. have any money in a retirement account, your RMD is going to be a little bit higher than $12,000. That $12,000 is going to be taxed at 39.6. You have to be careful when you start looking at these retirement accounts. For Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson. We'll see you again next week. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth, right here on AM760, KFB.